Hello, and welcome to Legal Management Talk, the official podcast of the Association of Legal Administrators. I'm your host, Justin Eskenazy. So our guest today is somebody I'm sure a lot of you know very well, and uh, that is Debbie Foster, who is a partner at Affinity Consulting. Um, she certainly has uh, a lot of areas of expertise, and today she's going to uh, talk to us about uh, succession planning. Um, first of all, Debbie, thanks for being here. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to happy to be here. Always happy to spend some time with my ALA friends. <laughs> of course, and we're happy to have you. Um, so I know this is kind of a an evergreen topic that uh, you know it, it, it never I think gets the the full attention that that it deserves. So um, you know, first, can you kind of tell us? what succession planning is and why it's so important for firms to you know be mindful of. Sure. Um, you're right. It doesn't get the attention that it deserves. And yet it's one of the things that we hear most often from law firm leaders when it comes to things that at the, that are at the top of the priority list of things that really do need to be resolved. So I think it's such an important topic. And many times people think about succession planning as what's going to happen when I retire. And when you think about what's going to happen when I retire and you think, well, I'm not going to retire for 10 years or 15 years or 20 years, you tend to think that you're kind of in the clear and you don't really have to think about succession planning. But when we talk to firms about succession planning, it's so much more than just when are you going to retire? And I think that that is maybe the missing piece is really defining that it's so much more than just retirement and also that it's a risk mitigation strategy. It's something that every firm should be doing just from the standpoint of protecting the firm, protecting the clients, protecting the referral sources, and also just kind of keeping up with the times and making sure that you're building a future-proof law firm. Have you found that over the last few years with, you know, health concerns being an issue. And then uh, a lot of people are, you know, switching jobs. Um, have you found that, that firms have been upping their succession uh, planning efforts? Um, yes and no. I think that people are talking about it more. But actually doing something about it is a challenge in many mid-sized firms. And the challenge is because it's if you have a mid-sized firm and you have 15 shareholders or owners, there's usually five that really want to talk about it, five that will talk about it if you force them to talk about it, and five that don't want to talk about it. And so then it just becomes hard and everybody's like, ah, forget it. Uh, maybe next year, maybe we'll revisit this topic next year. I think that a lot of people talk about it, but fostering that culture of vulnerability and transparency around being able to talk about something really hard, like succession planning, is something that has to be done before you can even dive into the conversation. And how for those who don't want to talk about it how do you as a firm leader uh approach uh those you know those people to try to get them to start thinking about this so 
Sometimes it depends on the firm and it depends if we can dig in and get to any of the reasons why people don't want to talk about it. And we can certainly talk about why the reason why people don't generally want to talk about it. But what I would say is I like to start with something a little bit uh, less personally invasive than retirement and start talking about succession planning for our clients. Do our clients know who they would be working with if for some reason the lawyer that they normally work with is no longer able to help them? And when we talk about uh, the easy kind of segues into succession planning, we can talk about contingency planning, like what happens if you win the lottery? Or uh, some people used to say get hit by the bus, but that's not really anything anyone ever wants to think about. So what if the ceiling tile above your head falls and hits you on the head and you can't work for a week or a month or three weeks or three months? What would that look like? And so starting to talk about it from a short-term perspective, like this isn't about when you won't be practicing law anymore. It's really about how do we protect our firm and how do we protect our clients if for some reason someone becomes unavailable unexpectedly, whatever that might mean. And so when you when you kind of ease into it with conversations like that, it can help pave the way towards those conversations. And another way that is sometimes helpful for a firm to begin those conversations is for a respected leader in the firm to go first. So maybe there is a shareholder or an owner at the firm who wants to have the conversation about retiring and that person brings it up at a shareholder meeting and says, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that I want to do this for 10 more years. And I feel like if I'm thinking that I want to do it for 10 more years, some of you might also be thinking the same thing. And I think it would be really healthy for us to just have a preliminary conversation about it. It doesn't have to be where everybody locks their date in stone. It can just be, can we dip our toe in the water and have the conversation? So then we can kind of understand where are the landmines, where are the things that are going to be really challenging for us to deal with? And we can kind of put a pin in an initial conversation and talk about how do we get to a place where we can solve three of the 12 potential topics related to succession planning and ease into it like that. And what are some of those topics? What are the what are the key things that um, that you do want to make sure you cover when you are beginning this process? Sure. So um, I would start with the client side of things because client succession planning for your clients, I think, is key. And many clients of law firms are actually asking for it now. They want to know. So if I'm the lawyer and I've worked with this client for 30 years and they love working with me, there's no question. They love working with me. They've been clients for a really long time. They might come to me and ask me, hey, what is the succession plan? And so we want to preempt those questions from our clients by talking about it with them. And so client management and how we start to share client relationships with our associates or with other people that we work with, I think is number one is what are we doing from a client perspective on succession planning? And part of the that conversation is looking at it from a revenue perspective and saying, if Debbie 
who is the owner of the relationship with this client, was no longer going to practice law tomorrow because either she won the lottery or someone she is really close to won the lottery, or she just woke up one day and said, this is too much and I want a better quality of life. Or I became disabled or something happened to one of my family members and I had to care for them or the ceiling tile fell and hit me on the head or whatever that is. We owe it to our clients to think about what will happen in the future from a client relationship perspective, because the alternative is that we lose the client and we don't want to do that. So clients are, are first. The second thing that I think is really important is talking about substantive knowledge if I'm the only person at my firm who knows how to insert something here, maybe in an immigration practice, I'm the only person who knows how to do it. We should be thinking about that. Do we want an immigration practice in the future? What if any one of those things happened to me? Who would be able to step in and continue the immigration work for our clients? Now, some firms might look at that and say, we gladly not do that work anymore. And that's actually an acceptable answer. That is a version of succession planning. It's just saying, we're not going to do that. If Debbie's not here and Debbie can't do it any longer, we're just not going to do that work. But if the answer is that we want to do it, we have to have a plan for how we're going to do it. The next part of it is our referral sources. So if I'm a big rainmaker at the firm, and a lot of my work comes from these four or five or six uh, referral sources. I need to make sure that I'm not the only person those people know at the firm. So how can I start introducing younger lawyers or meeting new people within the organization? So I'm kind of thinking about this referral source from two different places. Like John always refers me business. Well, who else is working with John and how do I make sure I'm connected to them? And then how do I make sure that other people in the firm are also connected to John? So if something happens to me, John is still willing to send referrals to our firm. We need to be thinking about the ways that we get business. The next part of it is community. How do we think about the way that I have been impactful and influential in our community, whether that be with the Bar Association or the Rotary or the Chamber of Commerce or whatever that looks like, other sources of revenue? And how do I bring other people along with me to make sure that those organizations, especially things like Bar Association, if that's something that's really important to a firm, that they have bar leaders in their organization, how do they get other people involved and how do they get in, get them involved younger in uh, divisions or sections of the bar association, bar association to make sure that they're writing and speaking and all of the other ways that that relationship or those relationships are important to the firm? How do we make sure that we protect those and make sure that we're covering what makes sense from a succession planning perspective when it comes to our role in the community. And then I think there's another, a couple of other parts of this. And this is something that some of you might know, Alan Wilson, him and I have spent a lot of hours talking about uh, why succession planning is hard for law firms. And one of the things that we've talked about is financial security and independence. And if a firm is not protected from a financial perspective on one of those, hopefully knock on wood, nothing like that ever happens. One of those contingency 
challenges that comes up where someone is unexpectedly unable to practice. That can be a, a, a risk point for a firm. But one of the things that's not always easy to talk about is the the personal financial financial situation of a lawyer. In order for them to raise their hand and say, I would like to retire, they need to be able to financially retire. And they need to be able to maintain their lifestyle, whatever that looks like. And unfortunately, many lawyers who are in the classic retirement window, as we think about that in this country, are not financially prepared for retirement. And so one of the things that a firm can do that paves the way for succession planning in the future is make sure that their younger lawyers start thinking about retirement early in the game and figuring out what they can do to help their lawyers that are later in the game and looking at the retirement window and thinking about how they can financially be best prepared for retirement. For sure. And I noticed that um, they put a lot of emphasis on making sure that the uh, newer lawyers, younger lawyers are really, um, you know, prepared and, and up to speed on, on, you know, what to do should anything happen to uh, the more senior attorneys and you know i have to imagine that that's it's hard for um for both the more senior attorneys to you know make the effort to try to pass on things to uh younger to younger people and for the newer employees to uh you know to kind of wrap their heads around Oh, you know, I just got here. These are my current job duties. And then I also have to keep in mind this other stuff and then retirement. And so, um, you know, I have to imagine as important as it is that that's a lot to juggle at once. Yeah, it is. It's a lot to juggle. And, you know, everyone's, everyone has a story. I say that about pretty much every single topic that I talk about, but everyone has a story and it's very hard for us to put ourselves in anyone else's actual position. And if you think about all of the things that go into a 65, 70, 75 year old lawyer's head when it comes to retirement, there are a lot of pieces and parts there that have to be navigated. And it is challenging to talk to a younger lawyer about what happens if you're not there. I mean, that's just a hard conversation naturally. But if you aren't financially prepared for retirement, it can be even more challenging to have that conversation. If you aren't emotionally prepared for retirement, you know, I talk to a lot of older lawyers who their whole identity is wrapped up in them being a lawyer. If I'm not a lawyer, then what will I be? And I think that what we're going to find is if you were to talk to a lawyer who's 35 and say to them, do you want to be at your desk still when you're 80? There are far more of those lawyers who are going to say, no way, not a chance than there were if I would have asked 35-year-old lawyers 30 years ago if they still wanted to be at their desks. The truth is we aren't hiring lifers anymore. Every once in a while we do, but when I do, I, I do a lot of strategic planning work with firms and succession planning comes up in almost every single instance. And part of the work that I do when I do strategic planning is I do interviews with all of the owners or shareholders or the strategic planning committee, depending on how big the firm is. 
And in those interviews, I asked them about their story. And if it is a lawyer in their 50s or 60s, or maybe even 70s, it is not uncommon for them to say, this is the only job I've ever had. And I won't be around talking to lawyers in their 70s, 30 years from now, but someone will be. And when they do, it's really unlikely that that person will have only had one job. And so there's just a whole different set of circumstances around lawyers who are coming up in law firms. And it's giving the older lawyers some hesitation when it comes to turning over their practice or parts of their practice to younger lawyers that they aren't totally confident are going to work there in five years. And so when you think about this idea that everyone has a story about what retirement means or what succession planning means, there's so many factors that go into it that the firm really has to take the lead and say, this is important for our future. These conversations are super hard and not everybody wants to have them, but they're so important to our future because things have changed drastically and we don't have a class of lawyers in their 30s and 40s that we think are going to work here for the next 20 or 30 years. That might not be our reality. And so we have to start thinking differently about how we solve succession in a firm. Exactly. And you're right. There's been such a, a cultural shift in how, um, how we view working and, uh, and, you know, working for the rest of your life, you know, really isn't as much of a thing anymore. So, you know, it definitely kind of puts the, the onus on, on the firm to, to really get the process moving sooner rather than later. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, there are a lot of firms who have done amazing work around succession planning. Um, some firms put a mandatory retirement age in. Some per firms put a mandatory de-equitization um, clause in their partnership agreement. And it doesn't mean that someone has to stop working at that time, but it means that, you know, the leadership changes and the who your rainmakers are really has to change. There's a really amazing article that Jordan Furlong wrote about uh, the generational war in a law firm. And one of my favorite lines from it is that he says something like, I'm going to quote him and it's not exactly the right quote, but it's the same. You'll get the, you'll get the purpose. It says that there is a predetermined winner of the generational war in a law firm or really in any business, because time just keeps on ticking. There is a predetermined winner. There is no question that 20 years from now, millennials will be running most law firms, right? That's just time passes and that's just what it's going to look like. And so we have to think about what that transition looks like. How do we make sure that we aren't just switching from one generation to the next generation and that we're including other people in these conversations? We're including our future leaders in these conversations. So people feel like they're starting to take some ownership for what the future of the law firm looks like. And that is an attract and retain strategy. And attracting and retaining talent is a really important part of succession planning. So it just starts now, like the conversations start now. And they start with other people in the room, not just the most senior people in the room. And the firms that I've seen do this really well, even though it's been hard and it's been a rough journey and you got to really convince people to get there, it makes a big difference when you start to get those other voices in the room. Right. And 
and for the firms that have done it, um, you know, they've, they've set up this whole plan. They've talked to their attorneys and, you know, things are kind of set at the moment. Um, what, what else do they know? What else should they know? What else should they, uh, improve on as, as we kind of, you know, go through the, the generations of, of attorneys here? What should they stay mindful of now that they've kind of got, you know, that first big step? completed. I mean, I, I think that building relationships is important to focus on no matter what problem you're trying to solve, making sure that people can have candid conversations, building trust among shareholders and future leaders is something that everyone should be really focused on. But I also think that they need to be focused on understanding how the practice of law is changing. And I don't mean from uh, an artificial intelligence perspective, although the technology piece is part of it. It's about alternative legal service providers, and it's about non-lawyer ownership of law firms. There are a lot of things coming down the pike that are going to change the practice of law as we know it. And succession planning and being prepared for people's retirement and being prepared for the next generation taking over, it, all of this is connected. And if we can be mindful of learning from other people, asking your peers what's happening in their firms related to succession planning, and asking people what works and what doesn't work, which won't always exactly be true in your own firm because there is no one size fits all. But the hard work is not done in launching a plan. The hard work is done when you're having really hard conversations for people with people and you're trying to figure out their reasons for being hesitant or fearful or um, opposed to talking about succession planning. It's the relationship building that is going to help you break through those barriers and providing a safe place for people to talk about their future plans and starting now with helping your younger lawyers start to think about their career journey, whatever that looks like, whether it looks like what it looks like at your firm, the firms that are doing this really well have an attorney journey that meant that rhymes. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but it, they have a journey for their lawyers. They know what does it look like when you're an associate? What are the expectations? Where do you need to grow and develop when you're an associate? You become a non-equity partner. What does that look like? And how is that different than when you were an associate? And when you become a shareholder, what is the criteria? What does it take for you to get to be an equity partner? And what does it look like when you're in the prime of your career? But also, what does it look like when you're ready to take a couple of steps back? And is there room for a lifestyle practice in a law firm where you keep your most senior lawyers and your rainmakers, you keep them doing the things that are supremely valuable to the firm, but they don't necessarily mean that you're still in charge and you're still running the show? And then what does it look like as you phase out in your practice? If you can map that whole journey out with some um, guardrails, right? Like it doesn't have to be, this is everyone's exact story, but it can have some, you know, around this time and around this time and around this time. And it can be something that you talk about, like it's just the normal thing that we talk about. It's not the taboo subject. 
Those are the firms who I think have the most power and leverage to help their lawyers figure out what their entire journey can look like and how they can be most impactful at the firm. Yeah. Uh, it sounds to me that I, as with much in life, it just, it comes down to trust and making sure that, um, you know, everybody trusts each other enough to, um, you know, to talk about these tough topics and, uh, and to have a plan and trust their ability to adapt as well. So I would imagine that's key. Yes, for sure. That is, that is absolutely key. And trust is the foundational issue slash challenge that is really the reason why so many conversations are difficult and why change is hard in law firms is it's really hard to work on the change management piece. And if we're not super focused on relationship building and what all firms have been through over the last what is almost now four years, uh, has strained relationships, not seeing each other in person has made relationship, intentional relationship building harder than it was when you ran into people in the parking lot, in the elevator, in the hallway, in the bathroom, in the kitchen, and the, you know, at your desk. And it's made things harder. So we need more intentionality around relationship building and culture building. And that's what builds trust. And when you build trust, you can have those hard conversations, even if there is conflict and still get results and ultimately protect the firm and protect the clients of the firm. Exactly. Um, I think that's, you know, a great thing to uh, leave the uh, the viewers and listeners with is uh, something to think about. And, uh, you know, thank you so much for being here, Debbie. I hope that, uh, that a lot of firm leaders would feel newly inspired to, uh, you know, to go through the, the effort of crafting a, um, a solid plan. Yeah, it's it's worth it. And it's, you know, it's not always easy, but it is hard work that is worth doing. And I hope that everyone would consider just finding if you don't feel like you can tackle succession planning from the beginning to the end, tackle the what happens if one of us can't come to work tomorrow? Like, what would we do then? And just start in small pieces and work through the list of issues. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so uh, with that, Again, thanks for uh, talking to us, Debbie, and uh, thank you to our viewers uh, and listeners for tuning in. Please be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to see uh, more content relating to everything uh, legal administration. And of course, you can find out more about ALA at alanet.org. Until next time.